You're listening to Opinions of Beer. I prefer mead. You sent me to hell, Jason. I really just want to make everybody jealous. Hi. I'm a person. Listen, what are we talking about? I reckon it sounds like Opinions in Beer. You can do it. Dingo? Oh, I'm good. You're the smartest dumb guys I've ever met. It's, oh, you got robot voice for a second there. You all right? Yeah, just be, yeah. It's, it's, it, sometimes my internet really sucks here. I've uh, good old spectrum, and it can be very shitty. Is it sounding a little bit better now? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what's crazy is we actually have uh, spectrum here too, but because of like the weird monopoly they have on this area, mm-hmm. it's by far the best thing we have. So. Oh really? Yeah, that's I, I have a similar thing in that. Um, and that, oh, let me turn my video off too, since you guys aren't doing video, that might help. Um, yeah, we have a we have the same scenario where I was like, I was trying to get like Verizon uh, FiOS, but that's not in my region, and AT and T's not to get fiber shit. So it's just yeah, pretty much fucked. So here I sit, and I even got like the three hundred megabyte super thing, and that was <laughs> dog shit. It didn't fucking do anything, so I dropped it back down. So what what was it like actually around? Like what was around? It was it was like the same speed as I have now, literally. Like I would test the speed, and it was like your download rates like 35 uh, megabytes or whatever it was and your uploads, whatever. And then I, I was like, okay, what the fuck am I paying for? I had yeah, you're only at 35. Yeah. Cause I'm getting like fucking a hundred here and we're in the boonies. So. Yeah. See, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's just congestion of, you know, I don't know, being in the city center here or something like that, but yeah, it's like I had tech after tech come out here and it's just worthless. Yeah. That's <laughs> probably exactly what it is. No. All right. So let's do it up, man. Um, I got, I'm not sure when, I would say I told my wife, I was like, I think I'll be done by five. So order the food, like, you know, like around 445. So I just don't want to have the dogs go nuts uh, if she gets here, but I'll probably, I could probably be good at least until 515 though. So we got a good solid 45 minutes in at least. All yeah. Right. Yeah. When I, as much time as you're willing to give us, we appreciate, man. No, no, man. I, I, uh, glad you reached out. Yeah, yeah. Eamon, uh, he talks he talks highly of you. He says that uh, you're one of his uh, uh, the people that got him into the libertarian movement. Yeah, nice. I mean, nice. Not, not just that. I mean, it like podcasting in general. I've listened to you guys since uh, uh, some of the earliest stuff. I want to say that what originally uh, the the way I found y'all was through an advertisement for like Rand Pauluses and Minuses. <laughs> nice yeah, yeah. I, I still try to do that once in a while you know pull out a special episode although now i usually do it more for the uh for the pride members that we have on the patreon side because we're trying okay. to figure out where to where to delineate it i'll do a i'll do an episode on the regular podcast if there's like just a ton of shit going on but uh yeah so now i'll just do little mini episodes here and there with rand pluses and minuses but it is fun i miss the old the old rand pluses and minuses theme <laughs> yeah, it was, it was always cool. Um, I mean, just Rand in general has uh, kind of faded out of the the light a bit in the libertarian spectrum. So I yeah. mean, I haven't even noticed anymore. So what? Yeah, I try my best to keep up. Oh, he's, really? He's still uh, being libertarian-y. Man, so um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you have been paying attention to some of the crazy stuff, but uh, like Nick Nick Sarwark was on our show uh, uh, less than a month ago. And he, uh, him and another one of the libertarian podcasts, uh, it's the, the lady with pink hair. I can't ever remember her name. Uh, Karen, Karen Harlos or something like that. They, they were talking about, they were ripping on Bill Weld. 
Yeah, which I don't blame him for, man. I, I, I don't know if you've heard our Halloween episodes, but Bill Weld is one of my favorite targets to make fun of. I'm going to ask you to do a fucking Bill Weld impression, dude. Hello. Oh. <laughs> Bill Weld, this is Bill Weld. I've had my face in the freezer for seven years waiting for my chance to emerge. <laughs> I had my whiskey in the freezer to keep this jaw lubed up. That's my Bill Weld. That sounds nothing like Bill Weld, of course, but... <laughs> oh, I know, but, like, it's perfect. That's how we all imagine it anyway, so... Yeah, he's like a crazy... He's like a, a crazy uncle that, you know, is... Uh, actually, not even crazy. He's, uh, he's clever in the way that he is clearly uh, an animal that is purely political. I mean, the man worked his way under this false pretense of being the original, original libertarian and uh, based upon some, you know, some things that were laudable back in his time. Was he Massachusetts, I think? And yeah. You know, worms his way in as Gary Johnson's VP only to undermine him. And of course, he only got the VP position through backdoor deals with uh, got a blanket on her name because she left the Libertarian Party now. And went oh, and really? Yeah, I, I got a fucking blanket on her name. I think she went and joined the Federal Federalist Party, which then collapsed on itself or some other party. But I think I know who you're talking about, too. Yeah. Uh, I remember because she immediately, like, she had this, like, big following for a while and then yeah, just, just disappeared, just totally left the party. Well, what was funny is she came on. So Mark Clear uh, on our, our you know, Monday show on our podcast, he yeah. did a, a debate between Arvin Vora, uh, Josh Smith, and this gal who I can't remember. It's kind of like, you know what? She kind of reminds me, though, of like the fucking Christchurch shooter where I don't even want to give her credit. I don't want to mention her name. Don't, and, don't even mention her name. <laughs> so she's, not, she's not worthy of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah forget her. Uh, subscribe to PewDiePie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so but she literally goes on the show and does this whole debate with these other two who were trying to to run for you know the chairman of the party, and then the next day like drops out, and I was just like, why did you even come on the show? What was the point yeah. of that? Yeah, I, I love yeah. the debates that that you guys hosted. Those were those were pretty awesome, man. Oh yeah, well we're gonna. I mean, that, those will gear back up as we're getting back into it. So we'll see who emerges as candidates. That you know, we just had Justin Amash on. And he is, I, I think, really? seriously flirting with, with leaving the GOP and declaring yeah, that he is the libertarian because he was, he was saying he's thinking about it more and more. And, you know, I mean, he's becoming farther and farther distance from the GOP. Even the Liberty Caucus, you know, is, or the Freedom Caucus has become kind of a joke because so many of their members just sell out for neocon horseshit. Well, I, I will say this, that um, I noticed right before the 2016 election, I, I started hearing more about Justin Amash. And he was one of the only people, one of the only congressmen that I've ever seen who would sit there and he'd write this detailed explanation of why he actually voted a certain way. Whereas everyone else, you know, if they were to put it, they would just put like dollar signs, you know. And and Justin Amash would explain every single time. And throughout the Liberty Caucus and everything else going on in there. For sure, he's he's probably one of the only ones that's actually pro liberty. So yeah, and, and I I'm with you, man. I love that those Facebook posts he does detailing because you know if nothing else, at least you know he actually read what he's voting on. Yeah, but, yeah. You know how many times can we say that about virtually anybody in the House or you know or or the Senate? None of these people read shit. No, not all. Hey, they don't have time to read. They have time to lead. <laughs> that's it. They got time to posture. Yeah, AOC's got yeah. time. To- to post Twitter feeds and uh, and post those cooking videos to her uh, her Instagram or whatever. Oh, hey, people got to eat. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what she's like, Mother Teresa, right? She's going out, she's cooking. Although, you know, I want to see that. I like to see her go out and feed some homeless in New York. I guarantee her DC. I guarantee she's not doing that. She's sitting at home. She's eating her uh, whatever lentils and, and goat cum that she's making. Yeah, hey, <laughs> hey, that's cheap. She's teaching people how to uh, live on a budget. That's true. It, now, it's today, so homeless, so goat cum being considered <laughs> vegan? I mean, is that still... Wait, why vegan? Yeah, is goat cum still considered no. vegan? You can't eat goat. I don't goat. know. Well, goats eat grass. Grass goes in cum. Yeah, cum you, is one day for grass, so it's vegan. Yeah. You can't eat any byproduct of animals okay, when you're so, vegan. So When you're vegetarian, you can, but not vegan. Well, maybe she should have... Just to lick the animal and take whatever nutrients come off of it naturally? <laughs> no, you can't even touch... Uh, you, you can love them, I guess. I, it's kind of weird... There's a weird, I guess there's a weird loophole. The, the point, uh, the point is <laughs> vegans are trying to keep them healthy so they can get the goat cum either way. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you, one way or the other, that's what they're aiming for with these animals. You can't use an, an vegans can't use animals as any, any type of nourishment or anything that help that benefits you. You can only uh, do it if like they're overpopulated and your dog can only need to kill them all. Hmm. What, if just, what if the goat just has a wet dream and you sort of <laughs> and it's just there it's just a byproduct no you're not i guess you're not allowed to you, even you, then <laughs> that just seems ridiculous that's just wasteful yeah <laughs> but yeah <laughs> but you yeah you have heard of that how PETA like they, PETA kills more animals than uh than any uh than any other group PETA is absolute evil, man. Like, it, it just sickens me. Well, you know, like, one of the concepts is just is so prevalent in society throughout just everything, whether it's politics or any aspect of society, is just the sheer ignorance of people who willfully, you know, some of it's willful ignorance, and some of it is just, uh, just people just not wanting to read beyond a, a simple headline, and that's a concept that people talk about a lot, too. But, you know, you have these celebrities posing, you know, saying, oh, I'd never wear fur. And it's like, okay, we can all get behind that, but you're not getting behind murdering, you know, but, you know, 5,000 dogs and cats a year because they, because that's the sick thing is PETA takes all the animals and they take them away from people who might still be helping them or they take them out of these shelters, then they take them to their own kill shelter immediately and they kill them yeah. the bastards right. and other shelters do. They're, they're putting them out of their misery. They had to, they were being milked. Yeah, Don't you understand? I, yeah. How how sickening can you be that you don't respect the milk the animals? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they really should. They, they should make a patch that says like I murdered five thousand dogs and then fucking put that on their their fur coats. Then right. That. I mean, yeah. In the meantime, they they killing all these animals, but yet they'll put out you know reading books talking about how eating fish is murder and talking about a whole family of fish and painting this horrible picture of the atrocities you're committing against fish kind as they are just putting animals down left and right. Yeah, it's just Actually, <laughs> a organization. Yeah, they're very cognitive creatures, so. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I just interviewed a, uh, a vegan, and uh, she asked me if I was, are you vegan? I'm like, well, I would be, but PETA won't stop sending me spam uh, ever since I went to, ever since I went to that fucking warp tour, all the punk rockers are, oh, yeah, all that. the punk rockers are vegan now, and then they, they steal your information. They send yeah. you fucking spam. Yeah, fucking that, the irony of, of getting spam from PETA is, is delicious. I about that. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not surprised to hear that, though. It's that the, uh, a lot of the more, you know, I guess a lot of the alternative bands, I hear they're like super progressive. And yeah, I'm not surprised that a lot of them are vegan. I think a lot of that's guilt based, though. Not guilt from eating animals, but more the guilt of like, 
you know, when you're really hungover, when you've been partying way too hard your whole life, you get that like Saturday morning, you wake up or Sunday morning, you're like, God damn it, man. I just want like a salad. That's them, but forever now. Because they blow <laughs> assholes like doing Coke and drinking so they're much. Fucking, it's just salad all the time for me. It's not, it's not a life choice like they give a shit about the animal. It's just like, I need salad because I need to even out all the heroin that's in my body. Or else I'll die. You won't be able to see this picture, but I'm going to try to let uh, Eamon describe the photo that PETA sent me. <laughs> oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's a... <laughs> okay, do you want me to read what they're saying, too? Yeah, just go ahead and... Okay, it says, cows, pigs, goats, sheep, and even dogs and cats are killed so their skin can be used as leather. Animals are not clothing. Take action. It's a picture of this naked lady... And someone's ripping off the skin of her ass. It says, urge <laughs> Levi's and other brands to stop selling. <laughs> so is it like really, is it really like grossome? Like, you know, is it like blood and gore and, and yeah, yeah, there's, fibers? yeah, there's, there's yeah. definitely some, there's yeah, like blood. It's, it's, it's like blood. a, it looks like it's a little tank. It's like, like they wanted to get like the point across. Was this a no, email? They no, they won't stop fucking texting me. And, I, and they say, oh, <laughs> yeah, yes. this is a text message. Dude, I get, <laughs> look at the, I get hundreds of them, dude. I get hundreds. Yeah, I, see, you should just report that as like, you know, forward it along to the FCC or something like that and be like, I'm getting pornog unsolicited pornography. Yeah, there you go, dude. dude. And, and, they, and, and they'll say, I'll, you know, uh, text stop to stop getting these messages. And I do. And they <laughs> keep stop, sending them. like, Stop. That's what the animals would say if they could. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, you're telling me to stop animal abuse. I'm with you. Here's twice as many spam emails. <laughs> Look, this one, this one says, Animal Adventure Park are breeding giraffes. Stop them now. Because I guess they're force breeding. They're force breeding them? Yeah. How can you force breed a giraffe? That seems like a very difficult task. Like, even if, if we could force breed animals, we'd be force breeding pandas, which are too fucking retarded to fuck on their own. So, you know, <laughs> the way to do it, I'm sure yeah, they would be basement giraffes. They'd be inbred. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This, this is pretty good. <laughs> Dude, so... um. Oh, by the I way, guess. real quick. Oh, real quick. Before you get into a different topic, I did want to ask you: All What right. were your impressions of talking with uh, with Nick? Because I apologize, I wanted to listen to that interview before I came on, but I just got too bogged down. With no, hey, man, people, people are busy. We understand, dude. Um, no, it was actually it went it went really well. Um, I, one of the things that I wanted to focus uh, with him is kind of this disconnect between most uh, most like full blown anarchists that kind of flirt around with the party, but, you know, have completely taken their feet away from it. You know, they're not even dipping their toes. No. Um, uh, I, I wanted to see what his opinions were on those people and how to kind of bring them back into the party and how, how kind of like left-leaning people like socialists are kind of being more drawn towards libertarianism, the weird thing that is bringing them in, et cetera. Um, what's some other things? What that's interesting because I I would I'm more or less under the impression that Nick Sawark has absolutely zero interest in bringing in people that are on the uh, the more anarchy side of the libertarian spectrum. It seems like yeah. no, that's that's that exactly how he answered it. He he said yeah. that uh, yeah. he said no, man. What essentially like people that have taken their ball and went home essentially like don't. It, there's no point in even trying to go after those people, which pisses me off. Not, not that I want to make this whole episode to me bitching about Nick Sorark, but see, that just pisses me off. Like, like the reason they, the reason these people have left the party and walked away so much, and I, and I myself have gotten far more uh, towards the anarcho-capitalism side of things more than you know. I used to be a little bit more of a minarchist, but you know, yeah. 
it, people are leaving because of the leftward slant that he has taken and his leadership in the party reaching out to these left liberals and appealing to more of the progressive side of things. And so it's not that they don't want to party. I mean, the, the fact that the Mises caucus is rising up and you've got anarchists like Mance Rader and you've got uh, Dave Smith and you've got and yeah. Tom Woods. The fact that these people are joining in means that not everybody's taken the ball and gone home. In fact, if anything, some of the most pro- predominant leaders, and you know, even you know, Mark Claire on our podcast is also an anarcho-capitalist. Yeah. You know, these people joined to try to tr- change it back and pull it back to the original foundation principles rather than trying to pull in these leftists who are just going to, you know, it's like almost what happened to the, the uh, ACLU where, okay, you had people that were based upon solid principles of liberty and free speech. And then it's now become a bastard leftist organization. And that's where, uh, you know, there, but for the grace of God goes the libertarian party. Yeah, no, you're exactly right on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, you can get back to the regular. No, no, let's let's talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, I I have nothing on my mind. I'm a blank slate. So yeah, whatever whatever you guys. It's kind of weird, I guess, reaching out to uh, uh, somebody on. I guess the left. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm probably going to come off as biased. Uh, Obviously, I'm we're from Southeast Texas, so I have a a a little bit more of a right leaning bias when it comes to uh, certain things, I guess. Yeah. And I but I've always found that the Right-leaning people, they tend to be just more uh, very stubborn and stuck in their traditional ways. They just they, 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 they see a certain way of things of doing things. They want to yeah. stick that way. Mm-hmm. On the left, they, they tend to be a bit more open, but to the point where they will ruin whatever they're doing, move on to something that's better, and then ruin that. See, well, I, I have the opposite of feeling. In truth, from my experience, I, I'll grant you, I do agree that people that are right-leaning are tend to be a little more stubborn in certain aspects. But what I found is, you know, talking because I, I, I live in L.A., so like everybody here for the most part is crazy progressive. But I yeah. found that progressives are, if anything, more stubborn in the way they look at the world. And the only way I can crack through in a lot of ways talking about libertarianism, and I just recently had a breakthrough with a buddy of mine, shocking, who just – I had I tried a million times to talk to the guy and I finally got through to him talking about the welfare state and talking about poverty rates and talking about just the amount of, uh, of investment that's been made. How, how did you make, how did you get through to him? I'll tell you the, the way I finally got through was just pointing out the fact that, you know, we've got education. The amount of spending in education is higher than any other country. And the fact that we've got higher spending than any other country in, in regards to welfare and all these programs, but the poverty rate stays the exact same. Our education system is, you know, near the bottom 50% of the world, despite all this investment. So just making the point to him, let's say, look, man, it's not necessarily that I might have the perfect answer. You know, I'm not saying that my end-all be-all answer is the correct one. But my point is, we've tried your answer, and it does not work. And we're seeing that play out over several decades now. So isn't it time to at least ask the question, if there's a time to try something different, and why yeah. are we so afraid of doing that? And that's when he said, you know, yeah, I agree. You're right. There's no point in doing the same thing over again. And, you know, it's not getting results. So I agree with you. It's time to try something else. And yeah, AOC. Finally, yeah. It's, <laughs> 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 AOC 2020, $3,000 yeah. $3, $3, a month a household. Is that what she said? I, I Everyone. Her, man. Uh, is that what she said? Or is it five thousand? It's like between three thousand and five thousand dollars a household. I think that uh, we would be that every household would that yeah. even support a household in L.A. No, I, I, sorry, what's the say it again? I said, would that even support a household in L.A.? No. <laughs> 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 
But uh, dude, AOC, man, I, she is so stupid. I, I just, <laughs> I really struggle with how dumb she is. You know, it's a, a woman who has two degrees and you look at her economic knowledge from, I think, Boston University. If you're that college, I don't know what, I mean, I would be torn between, okay, do we promote this woman because she's an alumni or alumnus of our university? Or do we just downplay that because everything she knows about economics is fundamentally flawed and completely incorrect on a basis? Yeah, it's just broken entirely. It's just yeah, Trying, trying to discuss anything with a full-blown socialist. You can't say that. Really hard. You're a man. You can't say that about a woman. <laughs> I'm going to mansplain to AOC how the third rail system works in the subway, and she's going to be like, you can't tell me how to live, and then she'll go grab the third rail, and we'll be done with it. <laughs> That's how you outthink her. <laughs> no. But, uh, but yeah, man, just, that, just getting back to that, that main concept you brought up, though, of, of just, you know, people being kind of intractable. So I, I just find that in general, though, I have a harder time breaking through the left because the emotional connection that they have with the issues yeah. is so embedded that it's hard for them to separate it. So anytime you try to talk to them about something that they've based their whole social media profile around, you know, touting the oh, socialist yeah. aspect or progressive aspect, if you attack that, they immediately have a rejection of that uh, based on their ego can't take it. It has almost nothing to do with anything having to do with the actual principles or the logic behind it, but they can't accept it because it means that they were wrong. And if they were wrong, it means that, uh, you know, everything they've ever stood for and who they are as a person is wrong. That's, who, a, that's a good point too. Like, what would you say that like social media and Facebook and stuff like that has played in this kind of identity politics that people are forcing themselves into like it feels like they've not not only is it like echo chambers mm -hmm. but it feels like what kind of like how you said they're basing their entire profile on it so you know years later they look back and it's that same profile you know they don't want to change anything yeah oh well, i mean mentally it's got a huge impact because you think about you know people that we live in this culture now where it's instant likes you know I, how do i people validate their opinions based upon how much interaction they have on that opinion on social media which is a dangerous way to think because the only people that are going to support that, that point of view are clearly people that already agree with it. And, you know, we see the flame wars. Unless there is a way to change people's point of view. And that's with, uh, you know, the uh, casual Russian meme every now and then. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But I mean, I talked about this. We did like a, a drinking podcast recently. Talk about return on investment. For those, for those Russians, man, they spent, what, $100,000 and this somehow- the best advertising campaign ever, right? Genius. Genius. They should be talking at Stanford. They should be giving master classes <laughs> and TED Talks on, on how to reach people because clearly they're fucking geniuses. <laughs> I mean, the problem is they won't show their faces because wasn't it actually like the CIA? Are we going to get into some-, some... I, Well, I don't know. I don't know if the- I, I, Number one, I would definitely believe that. Uh, and number two, I know the CIA's got their, their social media strategy. They're already rolling out to, uh, I think, for Iranians. So, you know, I wouldn't surprise me in any way if they were completely involved. I'm, I'm no fan or I'm no uh, opponent to conspiracy theory. <laughs> Iranians? I kind of want to hear more. Hear more I, read, of I read something recently about this, and I, I, I was a few weeks ago. So, like, you know, like on my show, I... I blow through so many, uh, so many topics that I, it's hard for me to remember what I was talking about in exact specifics now that I, once I move on for a few weeks. But it was essentially that the CIA had put together their plan for how they're going to undermine and try to 
you know, gun up a whole lot of anti-Iranian regime support, you know, overthrow the Ayatollah and all that other shit. And so, or not the Ayatollah, but overthrow the, uh, God, fucking blanking on his name, the ultimate religious leader there. Yeah, that guy. No, we know what you mean. That dude. I can't think I'm of his sure name. Our, our listeners are, yeah, they're super knowledgeable about, about Iranian <laughs> leaders and beers. So. Aren't we all? we all? We all got the Encyclopedia for uh, Botanicas of Iranian leaders. <laughs> Do they still exist? They must, right, on some level. Anyway, uh, I just remember those fucking ads growing up. Encyclopedia Britannica brought to your door. Um, so yeah, I, I, my, uh, my dad still has like like two sets of them at least. Oh, really? like, that's awesome. Like yeah, that's books. That's like fifty or sixty books or something. Like it's that's crazy. what you got. Those are like the perfect books to get if you had a den and you're like, I just need to fill this shit with some books that look nice. That was your Encyclopedia Britannica. But uh, <laughs> but no. So the CIA they basically just had the strategy they'll put together is that they were going to run out. They're going to buy do the exact same thing the Russians did. They're going to buy Facebook ads. They're going to buy ads on Twitter that try to undermine the Iranian regime and try to get people to rise up and revolt against the religious system. And the Illuminati. And it's the exact fucking thing that the Russians did, but we're doing it, but, you know, because we're doing it because that's an evil government, quote unquote. It's perfectly fine. What, uh, what, what, tell, the, about, what? tell them about Boba Flex and uh, the Canadian Illuminati. What? Boba Flex. Canadian <laughs> Illuminati? Tell me yeah, more. T- tell them who the main Canadian oh, are, they called, are they called the A Illuminati? No, the, <laughs> the, the number one, the, no, the people that actually run the Canadian Illuminati are uh, Nickelback, and they, they had a strong. <laughs> They had a stronghold on America for a while, but it looks like uh, people don't even know who they are anymore. Yeah, I, I, I believe that fully because how the fuck did Nickelback pay? What they play like the Super Bowl or like the the Thanksgiving Day game a couple of years ago? It's mind boggling. At, at the Lions, at the Lions Stadium, like this. Yeah. They, yeah. No, but that's because no, that's because Detroit Lions they couldn't get anyone else. Nickelback. <laughs> Everybody else, well, but but a shocking Nickelback would go because you figure Detroit and now is just for you. Know, <laughs> in D.C., it's like gun violence. and uh, You're going to get raped when you go there. So I'm surprised anybody went there. I would expect that only maybe uh, Henry Rollins. He'd be like, fuck it. I'll go. I'll be raping them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nickelback was like going up there. And they're like, wait a second. We'll get raped if we go there. <laughs> We're in. <laughs> I was going to do it. I was going to try to sing a Nickelback song, but I don't think I know a single fucking one. Eyes Wide Please. Open. Is that Nickelback or is that Creed? No, we'll let you. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's go, ahead. go ahead. No, eyes wide open. I always, I know for some reason, I think of Nickelback when I hear that song. My think, name's Chad Kroger. It's the same era. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's all dad rock. Dad same rock. sad era of '90s rock, which you know, I listened to '90s rock on my Sirius XM, and I, the shit they play, I'm like, oh, this is. I remember these songs being great, but I think that's just, you know, they're whitewashing the shitty shit that. Yeah, I asked yeah, the, uh, the shit. They they fucking cleaned it I, up. Period. Yeah, uh, I I interviewed a model and I asked her to, uh, about her favorite Nickelback song and she's like, I don't know. And then she she started singing Matchbox Twenty. I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, yeah. that's not Nickelback. Now, can you interview her with no video like we're doing? Because that seems like a mistake. If so, yeah, uh, yeah I did on it. Yeah, oh, I did. It was. It was I mean, you should have your video off, but have her video on. That's no. I, I think I think they did it on like a like a last minute on a phone. Like in a oh, cafe okay, yeah. somewhere, so I don't think they. So, so how did the how did the interview with the model go? Was it like talking to Derek Zoolander, or was she? Uh, uh no, she's a little bit uh, smart. I, she's like, she's like, I guess she has like a really good. She has like a really good uh manager, I guess, that's getting her uh like fast big gigs, like because uh, she's breaking into acting right now, and her uh, she just she was just in a movie that came out today. What's today? 
Saturday? Yeah, Friday? Sunday? Moondog. Moondog? Hold on. Wait, sorry. I, 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 you guys, I lost you guys for a second there. Oh, I, I just saw the beach bum, so I heard Moondog. Yes. yes. Yeah, Moondog. She's in that. She's in that, and she's going to be in Bad Boys 3. Yeah. Oh, she, what, what, do you remember do you know which character she was? Oh, uh, yeah. She's she, a, she had a snake or something. No, no. That did, scene, oh, that, that scene was cut. Guessing. That okay. scene was cut. She, that, she was actually in like four scenes, but they cut a few of them. But I think the one she's in, she's topless on oh, the – I'm a She's fan not. of that. On the yacht? I definitely yeah. saw her. There. Yes, yes, the yacht. The yacht it's scene. Weird I, weird I noticed her being topless on a boat as a well, man. Because as a man of, of all the no, things. But she, yeah. was, she, was originally, she was originally supposed to be a, be a bigger role, but I guess they, uh, because all the scenes looked awkward, because like, there's a snake scene, and she couldn't like, film with the snake because it scared her, and they could tell. So no, they cut no, that no. scene. I mean, but that's pretty cool that we're, you just talked to her. Yeah. And, I mean, and Brian's already seen that movie, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was a great movie, man. I, I highly recommend it. Actually, I wouldn't say a great movie. It was a very good movie. I liked it. It's a little long-winded in that it's like kind of a – it hits on one note, although at least it has three acts. But it's interesting in that for me as a guy who likes to drink and likes to have a, likes to have a good old time, uh, but also as a guy, you know, with a lot of different interests, with a – something to say obviously and also because I, you know i do a writing all this other shit it's interesting yeah. because it's kind of like an expression of artistic excess and how excess can lead to expression but you know and how people are individuals you know and like you run into these arbitrary walls that are put in front of you and uh you know sometimes you just gotta say fuck it man and that's how you come through with your best shit so it was it was cool i like the movie a lot i i i was uh, i'm weary about seeing it only because i didn't like his last movie all hey, that Matthew, much. Matthew McConaughey? No, not Matthew McConaughey. Direct. Uh, Harmony oh, Klein. Okay. This is the first time I saw a Harmony Klein movie. So, or, or Crine? Crin? I don't know. Fuck yeah, Harmony. That. Yeah, he made, uh, he made that Spring Breakers movie. And it was, right, kind, of, yeah. it was kind of just artistic garbage. Like it was <laughs> yeah, that's what my buddies were saying. They, were, they liked it, but they said it was very kind of just like weird. And yeah, it, it wasn't like the Beach Bum was very lighthearted. And at least it had a, a kind of a plot you could follow. But I also haven't seen Gummo or uh, Trash Humpers. With, I guess it's like a movie about old people dressed as old people. Fucking no, you haven't God, seen a movie no. called Trash Humpers? Come on, man. <laughs> I know. On it. No, I, haven't, I haven't seen it either, but I didn't know about it. So... <laughs> But yeah, apparently she she just got casted in uh in Bad Boys Three, so she's gonna be oh, in wow. the, gonna be in the new Bad Boys as well. So she Martin just Lawrence Montan was also in uh the yes uh, the Beach Bum. Maybe that's yeah. how she got cast in Bad Boys Three. Maybe she oh, banged Martin. Yeah, <laughs> he noticed he noticed her on the yacht too. Yeah, again, the man a man with fine eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But, uh, that's very cool. Yeah, dude. So um. One of the topics that we, I mean, we usually bring up at the beginning of uh, the episodes is we usually ask people, you know, where they got their start, how they got to where they were. Um, would you, would you kind of, in your own words, want to describe how you got into uh, like PR, comedy, and uh, podcast? Yeah, man. So, I mean, I, I grew up in Philly or outside of Philly, I should say, in uh, Bucks County. And so, you know, I went, went to Penn State for college. That's where I met a lot of the guys from the Lions of Liberty podcast, or all of the guys, actually, from okay. the Lions of Liberty podcast. Uh, all went to Penn State. We were in a fraternity there called Phi Capital, uh, which interesting because you wouldn't necessarily presume that a bunch of uh, guys in a fraternity would become libertarians. But anyway, <laughs> so we, uh, you know, moved out. A lot of authoritarianism in that philosophy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we, uh, yeah, I moved out to, to Los Angeles to be a writer. It's what my, uh, I've always wanted to do. Had a lot of trouble just getting into the industry. And uh, it's just, God, brutal, unless you know somebody, which I didn't. So I kind of feel like 
Was that yeah, the- when you say writing, uh, what what do you mean by that? Were you so just comedy writing primarily? Okay. Uh, screen, screenplays, screenwriting. So either writing fe- uh, features or sitcoms, kind of thing like that. Cool, and cool. Doing that, um, you know, I just finished a feature script with a buddy of mine. So we're sending that out to agents and managers, getting feedback and all that good jazz. So it's taken a lot of time to get around to the writing. Um, you know, I was an English major, so you know, writing was at the core, and I knew that's uh. I guess it's what I've always quote unquote wanted to do, but at the same time, it's one of those odd things where I enjoy it, but I don't, I don't think I've, a person necessarily has had a specific calling in my life. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I kind of fall, I fall into things more than, than, uh, than seek them out, I guess in a lot of ways, but yeah, I didn't know that about you. I'm sorry. It's hard to interrupt yeah. for, for sure. But no, that's no, no. Cool. Say, oh, please interrupt, interrupt that. Will cause I'll just, I'll just keep, keep spraying work. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's one of, one of those things where I just, you know, it, it's going to sound kind of, kind of funky to say, but I've always, it, I've had a lot of ease in whatever I've tried to pursue has come fairly easily, you know, just uh, okay. you know, pretty smart guy, able to pick shit up quickly. So it's not yeah. like anything drove me to the point where I was just like obsessed with it because everything kind of was a little easy. It's so, like that privilege thing that you have. Yes, exactly. A lot of weight privilege. Uh, don't even buy Oreo cookies that are the black and white. Only the vanilla Oreos was very happy. When came out. So, but, uh, but yeah, man. So I moved out to LA, fell, bas- fell, fell backwards into PR because that was a job I could get. I was an assistant, um, quickly kind of moved up. Uh, oddly enough, due to my personality being abrasive because my boss, I guess, was a- my boss was an asshole. And, uh, and he had gone through a lot of assistants who were just, I guess, uh, of a temperament, they were too much of little bitches. So uh, being an abrasive man who, who wouldn't take shit actually played well with him. So he liked me and moved up, got a job as a publicist, and then uh, parlayed that into a different job, wherein I'm still at the same company and been doing that for you know, 10, 12 years. So yeah, going there. And then in the meantime, still working at writing. You know, I do stand-up comedy on the side too, just as a, as a hobby. And um, got into the libertarian world because my buddy Mark, you know, I moved out here. He moved out maybe three years after I did right at the height of Ron Paul in 2008. Yeah. And, um, we, you know, just became enamored with him. And, uh, we went around stumping, you know, knocking on doors, trying to convince people and change their minds. Yeah. How was being a, uh, a Ron Paul supporter in LA? I just, I don't understand how, like, how y'all full blown libertarians in such a place. So, <laughs> anti you know anti-freedom like uh well you know a lot of libertarians are very anti uh, acceptance of thought in general so i think I, I think there's a little bit of being anti-establishment not not in so far necessarily as always the establishment as the way you think of it but also just established thought patterns and the way people are thinking so libertarianism presenting a different option wherein you could engage it from a perspective of of diving deeper into it seeing the way yeah. that and would interact with the world and how things break down and how you can look at it from a different perspective was very attractive to me. Um, you want to be edgy. Well, not, not so much that, but just it's something, if you've got something different. Yeah, I get what you're you saying. Know, like we've had fucking Democrats and Republicans in the same bullshit theories of thought for so long that it's very attractive to have something that is different and interesting yes. which can be applied like you know green the green party they've got their point of view and it's different but it's also fucking stupid and it doesn't make economic sense so when you've got libertarianism and the way it applies to freedom and economics and everything else that you can you can take it to and look at how it would interact when you drop that fucking 
you know, that dye uh, drop into the water and see it spread out and interact with anything. It's really intellectually stimulating. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that kind of got me into it. And then, uh, you know, in regards to being a libertarian in LA, going around door to door for Ron Paul, that was frustrating as fuck because <laughs> it, it, dude, it was like you, people would know about him. <laughs> they would have heard about him. They liked him. And the people I talked to, they really, they said, yeah, I love Ron Paul, but I'm not going to change my party to vote for him. Or they would say, but he's not going to win, which was frustrating because, you know, my response was, well, you know, he might win if everybody had said he's not going to win, just actually voted for him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's people. The one thing that really was a truth that became very powerfully embedded in my mind is that people don't really give a shit about their own personal moral values and their hearts for the most part when they come to voting. Although we did see that with Trump. You know, we saw the polling results where Trump was supposed to get blown out and then he ended up winning, which I suspect was going to happen because a lot of people agreed with what he was saying in their heart of hearts but yeah. he happened to be on the gop ticket to made it more palatable than a ron paul trying to upset somebody coming out of nowhere but people just saying you know i won't vote for him because he won't win shows you that people want to win they want that validation of their of their exercise and of their uh of their support so they can talk to the people and say oh yeah i voted for that guy and that just it was it was heartbreaking in a lot of ways so which that brings me to a uh the obvious uh uh, the debate that you hear, you hear it uh, ever so often. It's not that prevalent in the in media, but it, it comes up. The uh, the um the electoral college. What do you? Oh, what do you yeah. oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But well, well, now, personally, I because so so well, it's, it's obviously so, flawed and needs to be. Yes. Okay. Out. I'll. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's flawed. But I. It was designed. I do people that just they don't know. No, I Parents do. just don't understand. I do understand. Yeah. I, do I can hey, understand the electoral college, though. I can understand. I understand the electoral college because okay. I know the founding fathers. It's because they don't believe. Now. Look, founding fathers didn't believe in sheep mentality. So the idea of the <laughs> the idea of the popular vote is kind of skewed. So true, it kind of gives too much power to the metropolises. Yep. Right, because yep. you want to have sort of equal power amongst the. The areas, the farmers, the people that actually do the work or, you know, things like that, weird things, you know, you don't want to give it power to people that aren't seeing how things are produced, you know, stuff like that. However, on the flip side of that, you know, uh, someone made a a pretty good argument that... If they want to win, they need to just move all the people that are really in love with, like... Well, no, I mean... Out to where the cows are. It's the sheep mentality, right? So, like, it's it's not about... I, I say metropolis because it's like like a, they're just going to follow that same idea because they're in that area okay. and people are just going to be like they're going to gravitate because they want to fit in they they're going to believe whatever is around them and the larger cities will produce a larger portion of that mindset. Yeah, you're, you're you exactly understand. Right. Yeah. And so, right. uh, so yeah, I understand a lot more peer pressure as well. So I understand. Like I understand giving more like more power to across the globe into different subsections, but someone did say that. I thought about that, you know, maybe a third party candidate would have a better shot had, had there not been any um, electoral college and it was based off solely popular vote. You think? But I don't think so. I, That's what, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's, it's something you have to take into account, though, that maybe if, not, if you're starting from, from square zero, you know, or you know, square one. Then maybe that would that would hold sway, but I think at the point we are at now, if we eliminated the electoral college, I think you would just see uh, a shit show of of the elitist um, 
coastal cities taking over and that, that you'd have that one progressive mindset completely dominating social discourse and political discourse because they already have the entertainment, they already have the media. Now they've got the boats and the bloating blocks in the cities. And like you said, it is that cheap mindset. It is that fitting in and social media is only making it worse and worse. It so leave so much discourse though between everyone because you know, people from these big cities, states and states away, you know, on the other side of the country, so they're deciding for you. Right. I mean, that's already painful enough with what we have to deal with in DC. I mean, could you imagine someone else having fun? Well, you know, I, I, I talked with a lady. Uh, I talked with a. Uh, she was rather not that bright, but <clears throat> I talked. <laughs> I talked with a lady uh, from the from the wow, Green Party. I told you, you're an idiot. Shut <laughs> up about politics. Stop telling me about the electoral college. <laughs> no, no, but uh, I talked to a lady from the Green Party, and uh, well, and, and she was and she's upset about how uh, I guess. Uh, they're not allowed on the ballot and things like that, and not an electoral college isn't allowed to vote for them. Well, the ballot access issue is a very big issue. Yeah, that I agree. So that does need Even some sort of reform. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't conflate the ballot issue with the electoral college issue, it, just because ballot access is insanely ridiculous and it is fucking completely monopolized by the two biggest. So parties. it doesn't affect each other. So. <laughs> Well, it would in the, in the area that, yeah, I, I agree the Electoral College can't vote for that particular candidate because they don't have ballot access. So I guess in that way it's related. But at the same time, you know, if you had somebody in the Electoral College vote for a candidate that got 3% of the vote, there would be, they, they would never do that because it would be political suicide. Right. So either way, they wouldn't go for it. But I do agree, you know, ballot access is, is ridiculous. Debate access is fucking ridiculous. You know, oh. These are two topics which... It's just, you know, it's just like kind of how the Federal Reserve works, where people don't understand that these debates are run by the Democrats and the Republicans. And you just said, but you just said the left runs the media. So, of course, you're not being because they they know they know if there's any slightly just slightly a different view set like somewhere in the middle that the Democrats just won't win no more. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what both sides say, though. It was it, like voting libertarian. There's one thing for sure: you're guaranteeing a Democratic victory and a Republican victory. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're taking both, both parties away. losing too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. They love saying that. That's just such nonsense. Every it's funny. Every time, like Hillary Clinton, especially, they're like, "Oh, they took away votes." They're like, "No." If anything, it, it, any libertarian, you know, <laughs> you can't say that they're going to take away votes from a, from a, a warmonger versus somebody who's a well. I guess actually, in truth. Trump was, I'd say, far more libertarian candidate. So I guess you could argue in this past election, you could have taken away votes from Hillary Clinton that would have gone to Trump. Uh, or, but, but if you voted for Gary Johnson, you definitely didn't take away votes from fucking Hillary Clinton because you're more inclined to vote for Trump. So if anything, you took away votes from Trump to vote for Gary Johnson. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, no, actually, it was Jill Stein that took away votes from Hillary, Hillary Clinton. That, <laughs> that was maybe true. Jill Stein. But- yeah, according to, uh, what was that, American Horror Story. Just <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to hard-hitting political analysis. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, just in general, the Electoral College, though, you, you know, people talk about abolishing it. Ridiculous. You know, to run on a platform that is so easy to debunk. If you're, if you're I mean, essentially running on a platform of, yeah, let's get rid of the Electoral College, you are appealing solely to states that are already going to vote for you because they're already places that have the big city it's elite. hot now. You, so know, you, you know, automatically lose to every single person in the middle of the country, every single person that's <clears> not in the city center, you've lost them. You know, but it would be a doctor know it, but it's being but you have to you don't think it might what be you, getting in, indoctrinated into like the younger generation? 
Like yes, I'm telling well, you. I mean, yeah, they're you're, you're starting to, to hear it more and more from younger, like I mean, just 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 like a few years younger than us. We're starting to hear it more and more from actual people, like actual. Step up and protect any part of part of the government, though. Yeah. Well, well, by the way, the funny thing is, too, you know, you look at France, right? And France has a sheer straight democracy, which, of course, led to why it's so fucked up and why they're having uh, righteous riots that are being painted as white nationalist rallies. Despite the fact that are they really? Out. They're painting them as white oh, yeah. oh, going, The media is going out of its way to paint that as a bunch of racists. I just saw a recent article. I think it was a guy, you know, some British. Who France is fucking racist, man. Dude. Uh, and they're apparently all the uh, they're all trans uh, the US, uh, whatever the fuck they're called the uh, race British against the Brexit people oh they're right yeah. <laughs> oh, no, the, the Brexit people are racist too because it can never be over a tax issue or over a, uh, a liberties issue and Brexit it's is amazing how many fucking racists are in the world dude like that it's like almost everyone right. talked to is a fucking racist in some way or form they breathe like rabbits <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. They are trying to paint all those people as racism. You know, they said, "Oh, I've never seen so I've never seen so many white people collected in one place." It's like, well, France is fucking ninety percent white, so you know you're probably gonna see mostly white people anyway. Jag off. Did you but, did you just assume their color? He's well. He is. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Am I am I attacking the French nation? That's, uh, <laughs> hey, man. Who knows with the mass immigration thing that the color of France is probably changing more rapidly than we think. Oh, you never know, man. Never, never know. know. We actually just uh, spoke with a uh, French director as well, and um, she didn't say anything political. No, she didn't. I was just. Oh yeah, that. it's somewhat relevant. She was white. <laughs> she was white. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really cool having her uh, talk about her s- historical piece that she was doing over there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Brexit, well, man. It's gonna be interesting to see how history paints these uh, these marches that they're having, because oh, as we know, oh. it's. The way that it gets reported, the way that it gets documented uh, can be very different from the way that it actually happened. You know, it's great. You know, you know yeah, he brought up that last interview, but I'm going to bring up the fact that uh, we interviewed a guy named, uh, well, we, inter- we, we, inter- we've, we interview a lot of filmmakers and stuff okay. like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the filmmakers, so they're all kind of left-leaning, and one of the filmmakers was so like, vote, vote to uh, re- re- yeah, reverse Brexit. Vote to revert. Vote to revert. How can you reverse something that still is up for debate? I don't know. First question. He's, that's what he was posting. Reverse the mindset. Reverse. Yeah, reverse. Stop Brexit or whatever. Uh, it's a, it, what's funny is so many people are getting, you know, the, you got the leftists saying reverse Brexit. And then you've got all these other countries throughout Europe, which are now bringing up their own referendums. You know, there's Brexit. France is talking about it. There's Italy. You know, Italy seems to be hell bent on leaving the EU because you've got just the sole purpose of, you know, or the sole point being you've got a massive regulatory body, which is levying laws on your country in which you have no, you have no elected representatives. These are bureaucrats making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to basically jerk themselves off at the, at the uh, EU. And you've got, you know, it's, of course, people are going to get pissed off. Of course, you're going to have a population that wants to have more of a say, but you know, they can't even put that on the table, though. So, of course, these people want to leave. They're, and they're trying to fucking ban memes. Like, there's no way, there's no quicker way to get every young generation against you than by sitting there saying, like, oh, y'all can't fucking make memes anymore. Okay. <laughs> I know what we have to do as libertarians. We need to, uh, to do a covert operation to get the leftists in this country to start banning memes. And that's how we'll take it off. Now, <laughs> obviously, obviously, our country is in, 
is in the gutter and it's, it's slowly declining. What what country would you uh, would you, would you love for us to be like Sweden? Or, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you nailed. It. Actually, not even Sweden. Um, I would Sweden. prefer to be more like Norway or even Denmark, which are actually more <laughs> free market than even Sweden. And now I don't like the welfare state they've got in place, but Sweden at least does have privatization of medical care, privatization of pensions, privatization of school systems. Actually, medical care, I think, might be public, yeah. but I know school and I know pensions are privatized. So they've got a lot of good shit going for them. They still have way too high taxation. But if we're talking about free market, if we're talking about low regulations, if we're talking about more personal freedoms, then yeah, man, we could be a lot more like them. So then, I, I, wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind cherry picking some of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have a, a horde underground uh, uh, crime syndicate going on in Sweden. In Sweden? Yeah, well, plus they've got the, uh, the rape gangs going around there. So that's, that's a big drawback. They're, they're having a lot of... I, I don't know. That's all, I mean, that's all self-inflicted. You know, it, it, that's all self-inflicted shit by having mass immigrations. And, you know, immigration is such a sensitive topic for libertarians because... Yeah. If, if yeah. the welfare state, it becomes, you know, it becomes difficult where we'd say... You know, in, in a perfect world, yeah, you have open borders, people can move freely. But when you've got these welfare states in place, you have a fucking problem. And when you've got massive amount of people coming in that are like culture changers, bringing in, you know, like not having it happen organically, but having it happen by basically by forcing a population segment into a culture that's wholly unprepared, that has not been, uh, that has not had a specific desire to come there, that has no urge to acculturate or learn the language or become... You know, like every culture's got its own thing going for it. We talk about liberty, man. You need to have an evolution of society to the point where liberty is possible. You know, like we couldn't have a libertarian society necessarily 200 years ago because culturally we hadn't evolved to the point where personal liberty was prioritized, where you don't have to literally go out and kill your food or kill someone else to get your fucking food. Now yeah. we have that. So we're enabled to have liberty. And these people coming from these other cultures are not coming from cultures that are ready to embrace liberty and are ready to embrace the free market in the way that these other countries have. So, of course, you're going to have fucking problems. That's, a, that's an interesting way of looking at it, man. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm one of those libertarians that I'm completely pro-immigration. But if you – I have a couple of friends from Sweden that I talk to. Uh, we, we, play, we game together. So, like, we'll be talking about that. And he'll mention these things. Like, he's mentioned – immigration from Sweden and he's saying man these people they'll they moved into my city my entire city uh is now essentially immigrants yeah and they, they he's like somebody down the road was just fucking murdered like they just murdered someone down the road and that guy's gonna gun spend fire all night they said gunfire all night they took over the police station well that, that was a different story this story I'm just oh. saying is like he was just talking about some, something that happened down the street guy got murdered and the guy that murdered the man is only going to be in jail for fucking 10 years because of Sweden's laws. And yeah. their jails are like fucking hotels. They have like Xbox and shit in their fucking prisons. Damn. Not bad. Especially because a lot of these people that come into the cities, you know, I like in, I know in France, there were riots from immigrants that came in because they couldn't find work. So yeah, go kill somebody, spend 10 years in prison, you know, come on out, live the good life. <laughs> yeah. No, it it, it is. It's like nobody can talk about it, and you and you these these stories are literally suppressed by the media because they don't want you to talk about them because it's the leftists that run the media. And if you dare bring it up, you're called a racist. But it's like, look, you you know, talking about facts, talking about cultural interaction is not racist. It's the same assholes to talk about cultural um, appropriation as though it's a bad thing. No, it's the best thing. 
It's the way in which trade happens, the way in which cultures grow and societies learn from each other. Cultural formation is the greatest thing to ever happen between societies. And that is the issue is that when you have these kind of mass migrations and mass, you know, forced refugees coming in, this type of shit happening, you do not have the appropriation of the culture in which they're being, uh, you know, being uh, merged with. And it's instead, it's just like dropping a bomb of a different culture in the middle of a city. And so it's going to have the fallout you'd expect. So are you a uh, part of the uh, build the wall with the El Gapo money? No, I'm not. I'm still not for building the wall. I, I mean, in truth, I don't know what my solution would be. My, I, I, actually, I do know what my solution would be. My solution would no, be. It's, it, real, it really is. No, libertarians, it's really easy to affect Did you see on everything, but. I mean, that's that's my point. Is it's like, dude, I no, want people to, to talk I about. I wish this I could pull that article because up. I want I want good solutions uh, to fucking come out of it. Yeah, so we're gonna fight for a, a long ass time before we figure out what to do. But once we figure it out, hey, you this know, it might be better in the long run than what the bullshit that they're just this farmer to propose immediately. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. This this farmer lives on the uh, lives on the border or something, and he uh, he had to call border patrol because uh, someone. Someone came over and started fucking his cow. <laughs> he was fucking his. They had to, they had to like deport him from. What he was trying to do, man. He was trying to fuck that cow. That cow gives birth to some human hybrid That's cow, baby. Crazy. Now he's got an anchor, baby. He could stay in the country. That's exactly. He's a fucking. He came over and, and fucking the dude's animals. Can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah. Can you imagine being a farmer and you're walking out and someone's fucking your animals? <laughs> and then he could get PETA on his side. Like yeah, he's got, there you go. That's a powerful lobby. Organizations right there. <laughs> yeah. It's a powerful lobby. Yeah. But, but I, I will say, man, you know, talk about solutions for immigration. I, you know, I, I think like Gary Johnson, he had a lot of, he had a lot of fuck ups, but he had one thing right. And that was how to handle immigration. And that was just opening up the visa system, giving people work visas where they can go back and forth across the border. That'll eliminate a shitload of illegal immigration because you'll have people coming here working seasonally or, or with the ability to come over a farm, go back across, go back to their families, which they would all prefer. And you wouldn't have so much just illegal immigration. Oh, we have that now? So, well, we, we kind of do, but he means having it more of a permanent system and having it more readily available because a lot no, of people exactly. are a lot of red tape and shit like that right now. Yeah, trying to get a visa to actually do that, a worker's visa, is almost impossible. It's like, if you want one, you do a security check. Unless you're a murderer, give it to him. Here you go. Have it take fucking a week. You know, make it easy because when people need to staff up and hire up for a season, maybe maybe they need to have a crop that's urgent. Make that easy for people to come across, get the work, get their money. Then they can go back home and not have to worry about, am I ever going to be let back into this country? But that brings in a good point, too. How would you approach uh, these these workers? How would how would their rights work in America? You are not a citizen. You have no access to any of the welfare, any of the support services. Your children are not eligible to go to school here while you're in America. That's reserved for citizens. And that, that's a line that needs to be delineated much more cleanly because that's just, you know, we talked about, I, I'm massively opposed to the welfare state. If they want to have private institutions that provide maybe, you know, nonprofit schools that are here for immigrant children, God bless you, man. <laughs> Open that yeah. shit up, want it, do what you want to do, but you should not have access as, you know, to what citizens' taxes pay for. I don't think you necessarily should have access to any of that. Now, you could argue that, okay, you're coming in, you're being taxed for the labor you're putting in. So maybe then you could argue that, all right, if we yeah, yeah, kind of have something, have but. some sort of some child centered for, you know, whatever while you're here working. But I, even that, I'd say it's too much. Know. I would, come say, I would say that you fucking you, you got the opportunity and that should probably be right. what that should go to you it, know like exactly. the fact that you were able to come over here and work should should 
your taxes should, should go to that. If right, precisely. Yeah. I actually want to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, about okay. the whole um, how do how do they get on welfare? Because you know a lot of a lot of that's a big debate about whether or not that uh, I guess illegal immigrants can even get on welfare. You know, I'm under the impression well, yeah, that yeah, you're right because a lot of people argue they're like, look, man, you 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 can't you can't have what is what do they say uh, uh, the immigrants that's in the box and outside of the box at the same time, where you fucking you know where they have these benefits, but mm -hmm. you know they don't get any benefits at the well, same. Well, I would time. say welfare is not 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 so much when I you know I talk about the welfare. Schrodinger is immigrant. That's what they say. But not about like welfare payments, but you know they're they're still taking advantage of you know free education, you know, medical services. You go to the emergency room, you know they're still getting medical care. Well, they're how still, are they getting all this stuff? They just sign them up. Them, I mean, you can go to the emergency room. You don't have to have shit. They have no. To. I mean, like schooling and all that. Yeah, schooling. You have to. I mean, I, in truth, not being an illegal immigrant, I don't know how exactly it works when you register your kid to go to school, but. You know, we see it happening. Yeah, all the, there are, you know, you've got illegal immigrants and their children going to school here prevalent. Maybe that's why all the dead people vote. You ever think that, well, you, you know, we always see dead people voting. You think that maybe like someone's like selling or giving away. Yeah, what the fuck? I'm sorry. Did you well, say you always see dead people voting? Yeah. Yeah, you, you do. You do. Well, you can get forged documents. I mean, I think people yeah. overestimate how easy it is to get a fake driver's license or fake documentation. No, no, yeah. no. I, I, it's very, I'm just saying, like, y'all physically see dead people I mean, voting. You, you used to always see in the 80s people printing out fucking IDs for people all yeah. the time. They were well, just look, you know, they, 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 The Democrats are trying to get rid of having to even check IDs at voter registration stations, which tells you where their mindset is as far as lying illegal, illegal image to vote in elections. So, so Adam, Adam, you've seen someone get up from a fucking graveyard and go on, on November, in November. But names, like names and dates and people that are dead already voting. Okay. I thought Bernie Sanders was dead last time he ran. But he was, <laughs> we're in the same goddamn suit he was buried in. Bernie. Hey, I'm going to wrap it up soon. So what, let's do what, one more, one more uh, topic of discussion. Then I got a boogie oogie. What's your thoughts on, uh, on all the candidates running right now? They're trying to run against uh, Trump from Beto. Fuck them all. Fuck them all. Fuck, them all. <laughs> fuck every one of them. I don't know. I, you know fuck. I mean, honestly, I, I don't know, dude. I, I don't know what to think about him because all their platforms are still so amorphous at this point. I mean, Kamala Harris is a fucking cop. Cory Booker is Spartacus horseshit. I like some of what he has to do with drug reform and the First Step Act. But otherwise, they're all the supporters of the New Green Deal. So fuck every goddamn one of them. Um, Bill Weld is a, is an opportunist asshole. So he can suck a dick. Donald Trump, you know, we'll see what happens over the next year. If he actually pulls us out of these foreign wars, great. If he continues deregulation, great. Um, there's still a lot of shit I don't like about him, but I will say from, from my point of view, this is a very controversial point of view, but from my point of view, I think Donald Trump is still, despite all the shit he's done that I hate the most libertarian president of my personal lifetime. So I'm not saying I'm going to vote for him, but if I'm going to root for a side and there's not a libertarian, like I'm still praying a Mosh Paul is a fucking ticket in 2020, which I believe will win and I'll support that with every fiber of my being. But if that's not, if we trot out some goddamn turd, then if I'm going to root for a side, I'm going to still root for Trump. Yeah, man. Um, so real quick, where do you see electric liberty land in uh, a year from now? I don't know. I'll probably be dead. 
No. I'm being dead. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. You know, I'm hoping it's just, I'm hoping it continues to grow as it is. You know, I've, I'm doing that show. I've got, you know, I released one episode of Do Nothing Man, my libertarian superhero, who, uh, you know, the concept behind it is simply that you, uh, from a libertarian perspective, the best thing you can do in 99% of the circumstances is to simply do nothing, leave people fuck alone. Leave countries alone, leave businesses alone, leave, leave everybody alone. Uh, so I'm hoping that between that, slowly rolling out those shows, which are going for our, our Patreon supporters until I build enough, a bit of backlog to roll it out. I'm hoping those two kind of combine to, to make that show evolve to the point where it's attracting more than just a hardcore libertarian audience and kind of, kind of have a broader appeal where people are won over a little bit to come listen to it, enjoy the comedy, and, uh, and hopefully, you know, start to have some cracks in the armor for the left and the right alike. So, Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, man, uh, like I like I was saying at the beginning of the show, you're one of the reasons why I got into podcasting in general. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I, I hope that in the future, maybe we could have you on again sometime. Yeah, or- man, I'd be happy to. And, and you know, thank you for having me on. I, and I'm uh, thank you. I'm very appreciative that I was uh, an influence because you know I, I don't know if you listened to my the hundredth episode I did, but I talked about the need for libertarian heroes, and I specifically said that people like you guys need to be, you know, we need content creators. We need people that are out there that aren't afraid to to talk and aren't afraid to discuss these issues and and be public about it. And, you know, we're in the medium that's growing exponentially. So good on you, you know, keep it up, dude. Thanks, man. We'll do, man. For sure. All right. Well, I guess uh, enjoy. Your well, do you have any, do you have anything to plug before you oh, go? Shit. Or? Yeah, man. Closing. Yeah, what are you doing? doing? And I'm like, yeah, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, I'm already in them. So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Fucking lay it out. Lions of Liberty podcast. We are the only. Well, not the, oh, I'd say maybe now there's other people adopting our format, but we're the original variety show, three days a week. Uh, Monday, Mark Claire doing in-depth interviews. We got me on Wednesdays at Electric Liberty Land, you know, culture comedy and, uh, and political commentary. And then John Odermatt, highly recommend people listen to his show, Felony Friday, which is uh, just heart-wrenching. It'll make you angry. It'll make you fucking cry. It'll make you laugh. But it's uh, true stories for people that have just been burned by the goddamn justice system, man. So listen to that. And otherwise, uh, yeah, man, so, you know, Support our podcast if you can, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. And uh, we are going to be at Porkfest, too. I don't know if you guys are going to be hitting Porkfest this year in New Hampshire, but. <laughs> oh, shit. That would be awesome. Wait, what, what, is it? How... Wait what is it? Okay, Porkfest is. No, nope, Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. There's only one day I had pork there, and there's many oh. options. Okay. No, it's it's a get together that libertarians do in New Hampshire. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a blast, man. Roger Paxson from the Lava Flow puts it on uh, in conjunction with the. Uh, the oh god I'm, uh, the free state and um yeah, yeah man the time it's just a the free state project it's a big gathering at a campsite there's there are those libertarian speeches there's uh podcasters like us doing shows we're doing a beer pong tournament at the show we're at the, uh, this year. <laughs> Dude, so we, fucking, we would dominate that shit i'm not good at beer pong i'm really good at beer pong oh, i will fucking fuck your ass with beer pong so i invite <laughs> you to come out and get dominated by me and uh enrico <laughs> i was say well well, then yeah, I can join the, the hashtag Me Too movement. They were in the yeah, fraternity. <laughs> so there's no telling them. Let's make it fucking stand upside down. Right. Put well, man. Pong balls in butts. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, yeah, we hope to have you again sometime. Thanks. Yeah, I, would, I would love to. Thank you, guys. And, uh, yeah, live long and live free, as we say on Lines of Liberty. Live long. <laughs> okay, man. Goodbye. All right. Peace out. Oh, we just got done interviewing Brian Nick Williams. 
it was a pretty good interview we talked about a lot of um potential uh vegan feed and other things of that nature yeah it was fun it was fun talking with him about all sorts of things freedom based honestly it was really good to have a conversation with someone that uh i've kind of idolized over the past and you know just to get to touch bases with them on a personal level and uh, just have a conversation it was really fun i feel like you know that's pretty much what we did. We just had a good conversation here. I hope we can do it in the future again. Um, what other uh, libertarian candidates and people are you uh, looking forward to interviewing? Um, some of the people that I would actually like to talk to. Um, now, there, there's actually a, another podcaster, um, Daryl W. Perry. He's he's like full blown anarchist. He wants to dissolve the union, dissolve the states, etc. Um, I think that that would be fun to talk to, yeah. like to to see to see. <laughs> we'd have a lot of like uh, probably helicopter debates if you know what those are. It's like ter- libertarian territory disputes that. Mm. Like when you go into full blown anarchism, like that's that's kind of where it like goes from there. But I don't I don't know. I know that a lot of people don't want to uh, really talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it'd be really cool. Hmm. I don't I, AOC. I, I've been I've been googling to have you, find have, have a way. Been, been fucking shooting AOC a whole bunch. Of I know, I just don't know where, where to. Well, I mean, message her through. I mean, how better to be able to gauge AOC's beliefs? Then straight from her, you yeah, know. Straight I, from I, that's honestly not a bad idea. We should probably try and message her sometime. But uh, you no, know, I think everybody they just want they just want freedom. Speaking of freedom, I got the most freedom is free free eagle on the bottle beer for the beer of the day. Yeah. And today's beer of the day is Yangling's traditional lager. It is made from the uh, from apparently America's oldest brewery dude i'm looking that up i want to make sure original amber beer brewed in uh pottsville pennsylvania it is 4.5 percent in alcohol by volume it is an american amber red lager so it's a you know it's it's you know it's not a craft beer because obviously it's mass produced, but it's not your typical american adjunct so no, it's i mean it actually is kind of uh hard to reach in some places um like here in texas like we had we had to go to louisiana to get it like it's not right it's not something that's readily available but um uh got the idea because uh brian's tried it in the past and promoted it on his uh podcast the lines of liberty so we're uh checking it out as well figured that'd be like a good fit here's the crossover section of the episode yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and try this beer let's let's get some uh, research going here on yingling because i mean if that's kind of like um if this is actually america's oldest brewery then we may want to like invest what kind of what kind of loggers are um heineken's a european adjunct or no i think so I mean, I don't. I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, you know, I haven't. I haven't had I know a. That it's promoted more. In I haven't had a Killians in a while. So, I haven't had a Killians in a while because that Killians is a red, that it's mass produced, and if this is a amber slash red, 
Well, no, okay, no, no, this is a logger, though. Well, well, how about this? I actually just, like, what What are you trying to, uh, like, sit there and accentuate with it? Because I've actually, like, I've recently drank Killian's as well, so. I don't know. Um, I, th I thought maybe it tasted a little bit like Killian's, but no. They're two different beers. This tastes more like Heineken to me, like a Heineken. But, um... I'm, I mean, I'm I don't know. Sure. I, I, I don't think I've had that many red loggers. Yeah, usually no. it's red ales. Uh, to best describe this, like you do, kind of get like a, uh, um, like that mass-produced kind of taste. Like I'm feel, it's definitely like got one of those generic beers to it. But it, at the the end of it, it also does have a kind of like um, sweet and uh, kind of like bold flavor at the end. And I really like that. And you, yeah, like some of the reds have that. Mm. So that is a good way. Just definitely a light. It's definitely a light beer at four point. Uh, what said five percent? But I think the yeah. bottle says four point four percent. This is whatever one point percent. But it's kind of a. Maybe I mean, not you, you can tell that it's they don't they don't really have any stories or descriptions on the bottle. It is just like. Don't, don't drink this if you're pregnant. Which is weird. You know, it's weird. They have a they have a light version of this. Really? I think it's. A, I think that one's at like two point percent in alcohol, <laughs> or three percent, some oh, some weird. I don't, we try we try such heavy, I don't heavy intensity alcohol. I know. Beers that like normal beers are just like what, you know. I what got the fuck I, is I've got a uh, I've got another Yangling for an, uh, a future episode, and that one's a little higher. Oh really? It's a uh, black and tan, half oh. half porter, half also half ale, half lager. That actually sounds really good. Yeah. But this, I mean, this brings me up to something, too. Uh, like, we, I actually just recently tried, um, like, uh, a Dos Equis. Like, they kind of branched out. They did their own amber and amber. Yes. Does it taste, oh, does this taste like, it's like Dos Equis amber? Mexican pale ale. Uh, I haven't tried the amber yet. Oh, well. I was just, I was just saying that, like, you know, some of those big, bigger companies, I think they're kind of realizing, like, Hey guys, we need to fucking branch out a bit, and I don't think that that's bad. Well, this is their main. This is their main beer. This is their flagship, so you can't say they're branching out. Well, no, but I mean, it's a good starting point. Uh, fucking amber. I don't, I, starting I, point. It's the oldest. This is the start. No, <laughs> we'll see about that. I'm Google. This is the original. This is the beer of America. Okay, I've well, got it. Yes, traditional yeah, lager. It's a traditional lager. It yeah, says. Uh, did they really? Okay, it was so sitting next to Dos Equis. It's I like. I mean, like, it looks. It's America's Dos Equis. Dos Equis is like. Dos Equis is. Me is uh, I feel like Dos Equis is stronger than this. Was it? This uh, is like a the 5th of May, lighter. Cinco de Mayo. Remember the Alamo. And. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I'll, I'll have to. Man, we should have we should have had this ready to go. Like, because if they are America, I don't know. I just feel like I've seen fucking a hundred different things that say America's oldest. Like, I just I don't believe that Yingling is America's oldest brewery. It might be, but was it America's? It is oldest brewery. It, it says that it was. Uh, yeah. Settled in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. 
I mean, which that was definitely one of the first places uh, uh, colonized. So, 1829. 1829. So, here's the deal. Um, if it's an oldest brewery, then why haven't they uh, got the best beer? Yeah, walk away from because <laughs> they didn't—they didn't have anything to go off of. Now, now we're able to see. Okay, well, this is how this you start off. And plus, he was saying that uh, who was saying it's like America's other first guys, like so. ignorers of feedback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like screw this. Uh, what would you? Everyone else's success is fucking like. <laughs> this is a nail in Yingling's coffin. <laughs> what would you rate this beer? I mean, we did have to venture a little ways to pick it up. Um, but for, I, I almost want to say it's local. So for a local beer, it's definitely in like, it's a pie in all in all of our local beers. Like, like I think that it's a really solid just average beer like if you're gonna have if you're buying beers for the game or something like that i think that this would be a really fucking good addition to that party i really do now if you're i don't know trying to impress some of your craft beer friends no (laughs) no no but 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 you know you you after after our conversation with Nick though you do have to like sit there and think about it what is like the crafting process of a beer like this go through especially if it's something that's been you know so tried and true over time I think that that would be something cool to kind of invest investigate what the crafting process of these older beers oh the oh the originals yeah. This is traditional. This is the beer that they made in 1829, correct? Uh, well, I don't know. I think I think it was discontinued, and a new company brought it back. Oh, okay, okay. So this, so they claim the name. They essentially bought the rights to the name. I, I maybe. This is like Yingling's dead shell. I, yeah. That they they bought. I, I, I think I just I think I just read that it was discontinued. Like so, this beer probably is from like the 1980s or something. Maybe. And they just are like, yeah, but you would we think, own the name Yingling, so that's you, the first Because you would think if they would, they should be everywhere, but they're only in the East Coast. Yeah. You know, around Pennsylvania yeah, and 13 that's colonies. Yeah, what I was getting to is like, if they've been around so long, you'd think they'd have a fucking much stronger so I, household name. I think they are one of the oldest breweries. I think they <laughs> ran down and then they were <laughs> brought back. One of the, uh, old, <laughs> oldest doesn't mean most successful. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's such a good point. <laughs> but, um, uh, but honestly, yeah. Like, I would, um, it's got a fucking eagle on it. It says since 1829, which is what their, their website's claiming as well. So, you know that's accurate. Um, uh, from Pottsville, Pennsylvania. <sighs> Everything's lining up. I guess they're the oldest uh, brewery. So... <laughs> Yeah, I give it a good. Uh, I give it a three. Okay, but you said you think that they they went under. They went. I think under, they did, or whatnot. Because this says on the bottle. I just realized it, it says family operated, family operated, American owned. Like it's actually etched in the glass of the bottle. So, do you feel like that's like a marketing ploy? Maybe. 
I do. You, you it's think a good it's, one. It's a good one. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Would you believe Budweiser if they put family owned? <laughs> Fucking yeah, dude. The Anheuser. All they gotta do is have uh, girls dancing around in bikinis. And the Anheuser family owned. Yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody would fucking believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I give us a three, and that's just my opinion. Three out of three, or three out of ten. Three out of ten. Oh man, that's strong. Okay. Um, no, I'm. I'll, I'll give it a higher. Like out of ten, I'd say it's like a six or a seven, just for the uniqueness. How about a three out of five? That works. Three out of five. Well, you don't have to change yours on account of mine. I mean, no, I mean it's the same. It's just out of five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's about it's about there. I uh, I'll give this one uh, time time tested. Uh, one time tested, I guess, slight approval. <laughs> it's like it's like the beer that like you can have at the back of the fridge and be like, well, it's there. Exactly. 